We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. On this episode of the No Chill Podcast, we hit the rewind button and travel back to the Showtime era. One of the essential members of that iconic squad, five-time champion and eight-time all-defensive teamer, Michael Cooper, takes us through exactly what made that team so special. Looking at the impact their style of play had on the game, we can appreciate how so much of the modern era was influenced by Showtime. For Gil, it was the substance and the strategy that Pat Riley unleashed with Magic at the point. Not only did Magic revolutionize the position, his rivalry with Larry Bird in Boston defined the era. As Coop tells us, the Celtics were the ultimate opponent, and the dynasty was only successful because everyone on the team bought in and supported each other. It truly was a special chapter in NBA history, and as we see where the game has come from the Showtime roots, you should appreciate it even more. It's the No Chill Podcast, Showtime edition. It's always Showtime on No Chill, and that's what keeps you coming back. Remember, you can get every episode as soon as they drop by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts, especially on the No Chill channel on YouTube. And don't forget, every Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern, it's No Chill with Gilbert Arenas on the Fubo Sports Network. Welcome to No Chill with Gilbert Arenas. That's Gilbert Arenas over there. Apologies already. I'm wearing a green hoodie. Uh, shout out to our guy, Boss Angeles. But Gil, I'm going to say the dad joke of the year. It's showtime. Mm-hmm. We got, boom, Michael Cooper here from the Showtime Lakers. Welcome to No Chill. I'm sorry, I can't. I'm in, I'm in the doghouse. I'm in the doghouse. I can't even give you that because okay. you got that green sweat yeah, now. I'm, I'm, I'm saying you're the Boston Celtic player. The rivalry, the rivalry, the basketball. Serious, serious. But all right, well. Well, thank you for Is that over with? Am I good now? Well, you're okay. I got to deal with you All for right, now. Cool, cool. Well, we're glad to have you here because Gil, he, he turned on his, on his era. I'm calling him out for that right now. I, I turned on my era. I turned on your era. That's just something you don't do. He's going with the young wave. He's I go with evolution. Them. I just go with evolution. <laughs> I go with evolution. <laughs> I go with Darwin's evolution. theory. But, but you've got to be a champion for your era. That's what it's about. Well, I think, again, as a former basketball player, as Gil and I are, is I think you just look at basketball as a whole, and you, I try not to take it in errors, but what, the one thing I like to think about the 80s is that if you go back to the 70s, back, basketball was kind of like watching paint dry. It was boring. You had some great players, Jerry West, Elgin Baylor, Chamberlain. And I think Magic Johnson and Larry Bird they changed the course of basketball to what it is today. And that happened in the 80s. So when I look at basketball like that, 
I'm very happy and proud that I was playing in that era, but I still see it as a whole. And the evolution that we come to today was set in stone in 1980. You take pride in your era. See, That's now, what it is. Now, That's what it is. Look, look what happened. You have an 80s player that looks at the 70s and says, like, watching paint drop. Right. He takes pride in his era. He's taking pride in the 80s. Because you got to remember, 80s evolves, becomes faster, stronger, smarter than the previous one. And that's where my arguments always come in. I was like, you, wait, hold on. If you ask the era to look at the era before it, they're going to say that era was boring because they adapted. They learned. They, it, became, it became evolution. And that's why I always say, you know what? Instead of being stuck <laughs> in early 2000s, I just go forward and just say, I got to appreciate where the game is gone because it's moved because of the eras. You know, the guys are just watching, learning, adapting, putting their own little twist on it. Someone else watches it, learn it, adapt it, put their little twist on it. That's what we have now here. And players are getting bigger, stronger, faster, quicker. And I think that's the game because I think you have players like LeBron for this era right now that we're in. Could he have played in the 80s? Could he have played in the 70s? Probably only a few could have done that. But there's not a lot of players that could have played or go back in the throwback era back then. I think as, as you see younger players coming off the bench today, uh, Nurkovich. Could he have played back in the 80s? I don't think so. I think it was a little bit too more too physical. But again, that's the fun part about basketball. And as we go forward in 2030, 2035, if I'm still around, man, you know, you're going to see a different kind of basketball player. back in the mm-hmm. Well, let's flip it. Could Magic yeah. play today? Oh, yeah. There are certain players that could play in this game today. I think of course, Gilbert, you're going to say that. No, I'm gonna saying Gilbert Arenas. Yeah. I'll agree that, you know, you, you like... Imagine, got to remember, still to this day, they don't have six, nine point guards running on. So, yes, he he was the evolution, but you can't make you can't make arguments off special. Yeah. The specialty player. Yeah, he was exception to the rule. You know, even like somebody like Penny, you're still talking about, you know, six, seven point guard with a 42 inch vertical that those guys are just you can just because they don't make them. You know, so it's it's hard to when you make arguments. It's like certain players you just gotta leave out an argument because how about, how about a um, six five lockdown defender? Are you? I definitely could play in today's game. But let's go back a little bit. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I think he flourishes in today's game. A player that I think doesn't flourish is uh, Bill Russell. I think he has a hard time in today's game. Although he's a great player, and I think he could play in certain portions of his game, but now. Bill is used to running back to the paint, guarding his player on the block. Now that, that big is stepping out to a three-point line. You got to get out there on him. Yeah. Well, this comes back to what I want to get into is, is personnel. And it also takes a team that can shift that. That's what the Showtime Lakers were. They had the personnel that came together at the right time. And Showtime Lakers defined that era and moved basketball forward. Well, I think, again, going back to the 60s and watching the way it was played, moving to the 70s, and then coming uh, Dr. Buss buying the Los Angeles Lakers. And his whole vision for not just the Lakers, but for the NBA basketball was to entertain the entertainers. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was our role. And obviously, Magic Johnson Mm -hmm. played a big role in that. So he wanted an up-tempo. He didn't want to watch basketball being walked up the floor, throwing the paint, foul, whatever. He wanted to see the game going fast. 
And that's where Showtime evolved. Entertain the entertainment. You got to yeah. remember, we're living in Gollywood, Hollywood. <laughs> so yeah, movie stars, uh, actors, and everything going on. But uh, but it, but it wasn't just entertainment. Uh, five rings. You won. So you could still entertain, but you guys were successful. That was the thing that, you know. Well, really that was the key. Impression. That was the right, brand right. of what we wanted. That's how we were going to win. We weren't going to win playing slow down basketball, half court basketball. We were going to win by getting up and down the floor. And what greatest conductor we could have would be Magic Johnson. And you surround him with Kareem Abdul Jabbar, James Worthy, Jamal Wilkes, Norm Nixon, players like that. That's when we become a very good basketball team. Now, if you put your team in just a half court offense, and just say, you can only run half court. Are you still five-time champions? Yeah. Only, only four. We had the uh, player with the greatest unstoppable shot. That's all we did. We had a play called fist up. <clears throat> and whenever we ran fist up, that was going into Kareem. Every team knew it. We throw it into him. What are they going to do? But, but doesn't that take away the other four players that, that were athletes, super fast, fast brain guys? It takes, away, it takes away you guys. Oh, for sure. And I, I think what it would have done, it would have made us better perimeter shooters, because you throw it in the cream, the defense going to have to do something. He, no one can one-on-one can guard Kareem by himself. So the double team was going to happen, and Kareem was a willing passer. So Michael Cooper had to get his feet lined yeah. up and work on my jumper. <laughs> yeah. Magic, we worked on a three-point shot. That's why in 1987, that was a big year for us. But, you know, uh, we would have won. It wouldn't have been as easy, but I think we still would have won our share. See, and, and, and that's, that used to be my argument says, you have to adjust your scheme around the talent. Yep. Because if you have guys who can get up and down that floor with ease, you hurt them by putting them in traffic. Mm-hmm. Unless you have a traffic player, but for the most part, you hurt them by putting them in traffic. You need everybody playing at their extreme best. So, you know, I'm in LA, you know, and I see loads, you know, Showtime. That's all it was, Showtime, Showtime. So that's how we played. But, Gil, you have to look at this, and and just to that exact point, you look at the Boston Celtics. The Boston Celtics were a half-court team, Mm -hmm. and they flourished well in a half-court team. I think the Philadelphia 76ers back then, Moses Malone, Dr. J, the group that they had, they were a half-court running team. So you had a lot of teams that were could uh, uh, fluctuate between going fast to Detroit Pistons, Mm -hmm. just a brutal half-court team. So... I think what makes great teams are excellent coaches that work with the players and the team that they have. Pat Riley was a master of that. I mean, he knew we were a running team. He goes, and when Pat Riley leaves L.A., he goes to Miami. He gets LeBron, uh, uh, Dwayne, the slow-down team. So he coached that team to win championships. So it goes to what you're saying. I got to recognize something that he just said because he went back on something he's always... You watched... You just said you grew up in L.A. and you watched the Showtime Lakers. Last week, he said, I need to watch it. No, no, no. no. When you're growing up in the 80s, 90s, there's only, you're only, you're forced to watch two teams. (laughs) (laughs) You're forced forced to watch two teams. I just want to prove you said you watched. No, back back then, it's Showtime in Boston. That's all you knew. If you was in L.A., you was a Laker fan. You know, you Boston, you're East Coast, you're, you know, so that it was automatically a rivalry. So you you understood if Lakers can score this many, their chances of losing zero. If they put them in a half court, this team, you know, chances of winning is a little bit better. Like we you you knew that growing up watching, like, okay, we just gotta get it out there. 
Let me say this. Mm-hmm. Add to that, Gil. You look at that West Coast, LA, East Coast, Boston. Now, the teams in between, and I've had the family members and friends that lived in Philadelphia. The Sixers weren't in it. They had to pick a team, yeah, and it was the Lakers, <laughs> you know? So that's the fun part about this is that, you know, we hopefully were going to be there at the end, and all those teams in the middle, who were they watching? Yeah. So it wasn't a matter of, of where you being from Los Angeles. It's whatever. I think we were the kind of like favorite team because of who we were. I used to do my research because there was a, I used to tell my uh, Eddie Jordan, who played. Who loved Eddie. <laughs> Eddie. So me and Eddie used to, you know, have our conversations, and I used to say, what is the benefit of a pure point guard, right? He says, to get the team better. I said, well, if the, if the point guard has to get everyone better, that means they're not that good. Because if he's doing his job, that means these players aren't that good and they can't do it on themselves. So I said, you know what? I'm doing research. I'm going to do the research to see how many championships come from the point guard, right? Mm-hmm. Magic Johnson ruined what a pure point guard was because he is himself. He is a six, nine, one, three, four, five player. And you build this expectations off of him and you run it down the rest of the group. Yep. So when people say we need a pure point guard to, to run this team, ah, wait, hold on. You can't keep using Magic Johnson as that guy to run your theory because he's he's in his own category. Magic was a freak of nature. That's what I'm you know, you're the freak to... of nature. Because again, there's this guy here who played all five positions. I got a chance to be with this young man from a rookie. I saw him become just an average player when he came in. Magic didn't really have a jump shot. He had a set shot. He worked on his game, became an all-pro, became an all-star, became a legendary player. And the fun part I say about him and James Worthy, Kareem was already there, but those two players, I actually saw them every single day work to become Hall of Fame players. And as Gil says, you can't use Magic Johnson for that because a true point guard would be like Allen Iverson, somebody that can score. Well, Allen wasn't about making other players better. But the reason Magic could do it because Magic understood all the other positions. A point guard only knows what a point guard is supposed to do. <laughs> I'll pass it or I'll shoot it. But no, you don't understand that unless you have played those other positions. And that's what made Magic Magic. Yeah, so I stopped, so I stopped all everything from Magic. Yep. I said... From Magic on, I said, because I said, Magic had point guards with him. He was just a better one. I said, he had guards that said, hey, you play defense or you score. I'll, I'll do all this other stuff. You guys just be guards right now. You take him out and then go forward. The starting point guard on championships teams average 4.2 assists a game. So I'm like, well, then that guard isn't the dominant player on the team. So the John Stocktons couldn't win because if you're doing what you do, that means he ain't that good. So if we stop you, he can't survive. And that's what the research showed. So like you can technically look at a roster. Now you can look at a roster. Every guard that averages nine assists, 10 assists, you take them out championship pool. You can take them out of the championship pool and then focus on just a certain group of teams just because of their point guard dominance. You know what, Mike? 
<laughs> I've known Gilbert Arenas a long time, mm-hmm. more personally last year or so, but I've always been admiring a big fan of his over the years. But I'm in awe of this young man right now because people that really do that kind of thing and they get into basketball, those are people that you want to play with. Mm-hmm. I would love to play with Gilbert. Now, he wasn't a good passer. You wouldn't get the ball <laughs> exactly. yet. Yeah, but yeah. you know what? My, my position and my yeah. role on the team, I didn't require the ball. Mm-hmm. Every now and then, only when he had gotten double teamed, he'd throw it to me and I could do something with it. But to hear Gilbert talk about the game the way it is today shows you somebody who has matured over the years, watched this game, enjoyed this game, and really learned from this game of basketball. And like I said, I'm, I, Gilbert, I, I'm in awe of you, man. You I really we, am. We had to. <laughs> yeah. You didn't even say thank we, you, man. We, Come we on. Had, we, no, no, no. I did. I said thank you. We had to. Point guards don't say thank you. They just nod at you. We, there you go. We, we, we had to, like, you know, coming from the Valley, mm-hmm. you know, learning the game, you have, I had to figure out what made everyone great. Everyone was great before they got to where they are. Why did you, you know, it's like, why is he, why is he sacrificing his offense for his defense, right? Because you had to, you had to do that. Yep. You know, why, why, why is he sacrificing for that? Okay, what is he, what is he, spe- and you're trying to figure out to make it make sense. Because, you know, you got this offensive guy who's dominant, and then he gets on his team, and he becomes a defensive player. I need to know the reason. What, what does he see that I don't see? And I, that is a rabbit hole that I had to go down growing up, trying to figure out why, why are the players doing this? Why is, why is this guy doing it? Norm Nixon, why would you get rid of Norm Nixon? And he averages 10 assists and Magic averages nine. You know, oh, the, the offense runs a little bit better when he's there so they can get rid of And I'm sitting here trying to, you know, you're trying to build teams because it's like, you know, growing up, you're on a video game. Okay, I want Shaq, I want you in, you know, because in the video games, it makes sense, <laughs> you know, but not realizing, wait, oh, they both want the right block. So that doesn't make sense because if he's on the right block, where does the other one go? Pointless on the left block, and he don't know how to play on the left block. So he's a useless player if I got this player. And that's, you know, that's where the research started coming from and trying to understand the game to, to learn how to survive in that game. That's amazing because, you know what, Gil, I didn't know that you were from the Valley out here. I'm from Pasadena, California. So all I knew was San Gabriel Valley and playing basketball there. And as I became 16, 17, I started venturing to Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And uh, back in the uh, uh, late 70s, early 80s, you had the Joe Weekly Summer League. Mm-hmm. And Joe Weekly played at Crenshaw High School. And my first experience over there was playing against David Greenwood, Roy Hamilton, Marcus Johnson, just to name a few of some of the greatest players ever played here. So I kind of feel like you, like you said, you're out in the valley and nobody knows you're out there. I'm from San Diego. I didn't know. Nobody knew me. But when you came to L.A., that's when you got recognized for your talent and playing basketball. Yeah. And before you got here and, and you know, we can let the audience know that Gilbert was late with the star of the show, had to be here. So we, we talked for a while before you got here. And we were, but we got to let Gilbert know champions are on time all the time. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. <laughs> You were early, actually. Yeah, if you're not, what's the expression? If you're not early, you're late. Yeah. Um, so I was saying that you were a guy that made your name for yourself in the Valley, and Coop said no one knew who you were unless you played in L.A. You had to come to L.A. And, 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 and it, that, was, that was the truth. Like, I didn't get my name. I didn't really get established until I played Crenshaw. Yep. We played Crenshaw in the playoffs, and I got like 40-something in three quarters. After that game, everybody's like, oh, the kid from the Valley, 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because at first, these stats didn't mean nothing to them. Like, he, if you're yep. playing against no competition, we don't care about them. You know what I mean? So that is true. You got to remember, L.A. then was where all hoopers came from. Like, the hub it was of the basketball. hub of, yep. of basketball here. And you had what? Uh, Crenshaw, Manyards, Fremont. You know, you had all the great schools out here with great players. Freeman Williams, another mm-hmm. great player. Raymond Lewis, another great player. So when you came to L.A. and you kind of like made your niche there, you can go back to the boonies, but mm-hmm. somebody knows that you can play basketball. Yeah. Now, how, how do you think about this? The perception of Showtime and the style of play was so flashy, so many highlights, so much up-tempo, but there was a lot of substance to it. So how much of it was what Pat instilled in you guys, which was actual structure, what he had in set, and how much was freestyle? You know what? Gilbert makes a great point. We came from all around the country, Magic from Michigan, Kareem's New York, but he's out here in UCLA, Jamal Wilkes. And I think the one thing Pat Riley allowed us to do within the framework of Showtime was to be yourself, to be identified for yourself. It's hard to lock down the sky hook. It's hard to lock down Magic's no-look pass. It's hard to lock down Jamal's weird jump shot that he mm-hmm. shot. It's hard to lock down Norm Nix's speed, worthy. So within that, we were able to do our thing, but Pat Riley said, you are only going to win as a team. And what does team mean? Together, everyone achieves more. And when you're thinking that way, yeah, I can have my little flash for a moment, but I got to come back in because we got to win as a team. And any time we got into crunch time, playing against the Celtics, the Pistons, the Sixers, we flashed through the game. But when it came to winning time, and there's a point in that for two minutes or three minutes, you locked down and you did things as a team. And Pat Riley was masterful at that. There's one thing that I, <clears throat> I question myself on, and I, I can't come up with the answer. Was the 80s and 90 players smarter? And I say, I ask that as, were they smarter because they knew how to sacrifice and who to sacrifice for? I think this, Gil, I think if you look at the players that came out at that time, unlike today's players, when a kid goes from high school to college, when they go to Kentucky, they ain't looking but one year. They trying to get, they get their game on so they can come into the NBA. Kareem went four years of college. Jamal Wilkes went four years of college. Magic, the only one that didn't worthy, went four years. So we had an understanding of how the coaches could coach us the fundamentals of the game because they had a kid that was going to be there for four years. Mm-hmm. And that's how you learn the game of basketball. And that's what I tell kids today. Don't be lured by the money because the only way you have longevity in the NBA is if you know how to play the game from the ground up. Again, as you lose speed, and one thing I always say about the great ones, Kobe Bryant, Magic, Michael Jordan, just to name the three. Them players were good. Michael was exciting. He was eye candy, going to the basket with his tongue hanging out, same thing with Kobe. But when did they really become that legendary player is when they lost a little bit of the athleticism and Michael Jordan started posting your ass up. Kobe started backing you down to get them easy shots. Magic started shooting the junior sky hook. That's when a player really evolves and becomes who they are. And that's why I tell kids, stay in school as long as you can. If you got a good coach, stay in school and learn from them because that's where you learn how to stay in the NBA for 14, 15, 16 years. But even what you're just saying about MJ, when he was at Carolina, 
he was given that framework and that structure from Dean Smith, which he didn't go for 40 when he was a freshman, probably could have, but you know, he didn't unleash that until he had the NBA, but he had the, the baseline that he established from. And had a great coach Carolina. there, that's what I'm yeah. saying. And you know, Kobe didn't go to college at all and you get your, your dad, but you have yeah, to have somebody around really, really you that knows the game and can put, the, uh, can put that seeding on the ground to really make you flourish. So when you get there and you understand the game, you can stay in the game. But then what you said about magic is what Gil supports. When you're ready and you're ahead of the curve, go early. What do you have to wait four years for? Again, we've talked about magic. Freak of nature. Well, I mean, now, nowadays, if you're, if you're ready early, which you were ready early, why wait? I six nine, man. I'm going to do everything you want. I mean, it's, that's rare that you don't get a player like that. Like, I, I, I don't like stats right now. Mm-hmm. And when, 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 when I see the stats, I say, they're, they're, it's, it's all screwed. You don't. The stats in today's game. Yeah, you can't judge. Did you say screwed or skewed? Screwed. Screwed, skewed skewed. is really the term, but. Yeah. Um, because the 80s, mid 90s, when players was fighting for money, what was the incentive? If my team ain't paying me, if my team ain't paying me, and they're telling me I'm going to be a free agent, and this is where I want to be. Why do I want to score 30? I'm going to score 20, just enough for this other group to look. You know, mm-hmm. so there was, it seemed like there was more calculations to what was going on, and players wasn't showcasing for someone who didn't want them. Mm-hmm. And it was like, okay, so you got this guy who averaged 20, the next year he averaged 27. Like, what happened? Well, that, that guy was like, okay, yeah, come on over here. We, we're going to take care of you. So it seems like some of, some of you guys' stats aren't the real truth of what the player was. And that's what I'm like, eh, okay, you, eh. You know, it's, it's one of those things that's hard because at $20 million, $30 million, you don't have to think. Mm-hmm. You just go out there and just perform. Well, again, it goes back to, you got to remember, before, when we were playing in the 80s, TV was slowly but surely becoming a thing. So I think players were looking to make, great example, Gil. My first two years, 1979, I came in the league, I got hurt. 1980, my first year. Take a guess how much money I made my first year in the NBA. But you was number three pick, so. Oh, no, 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 no. I was, was a, I was a 64th third round, player. Third round. Third round. Third, yeah, in the third round. Third yeah. round yeah. Uh, I made $30,000 my first year. My first year was happy as hell with that. <laughs> <laughs> I was given shoes by Adidas. Uh-huh. Uh, and finally, by second year, I got me a little contract. Guess how much my shoe contract was? $2,500. So $2,500. $2,500 was my shoe money for that year. And, but what we got was a lot of gear. They gave us so much gear, man. <laughs> I had so much Adidas stuff everywhere. Every time you went somewhere, the representative was there with a big bag. So what I'm saying is that for us back then, it was the, it was the uh, passion of the game mm-hmm. to play. Uh, Magic was the first million-dollar player in a sense, and that's when I think when that happened, players now started buying, okay, well, if Magic can get that, I can get this. Mm-hmm. And then as TV exploded is when you get these big contracts. So I think it goes back to what you said as far as the play, we had to be smarter, and you were playing to stay in the league. league. You weren't playing for that extra money. You just wanted to stay in the league, because if you stayed in the league, you were going to get paid by somebody. And once you heard that 
Dr. Bus from the Los Angeles Lakers was paying Magic Johnson a million dollars. Oh, Utah Jazz, uh, yeah. Houston Rockets, players started playing now every time they played us because they know that you <laughs> get paid on this side of town. So it was funny, man. Every game was an audition. That's what I said. You know, it's, and that's why it's like I can't, I can't judge stats for what they are because you, you don't know. Yeah. You don't, you know, you don't know. You can't just, I can't say, oh, he averaged a triple-double. I mean, woo. But then again, again, I think now with stats, if you're getting paid $85 million, you expected to put some numbers up there look at them stats. you got to put up 20-20 or something like that. But the game is so fast, those stats can't be compared. You know what I mean? Like, you know, if you, if you guys shot 60 shots back then, and that was considered showtime, mm -hmm. and now there's 100 shots in again. That's 40 <laughs> extra shots. That's two times the output. So I look at it like this. Well, if Magic averaged 13, 15 assists with this many possessions, your 10 assists with double the possessions? Fuck out of here. Yeah. No, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not rahawing because you averaged 12 assists. You should average 12 assists. You made 200 passes. The least you could do is have, <laughs> the least you could do is have 1,200 assists. <laughs> Shit, I didn't pass the ball and I got five assists. <laughs> I made five passes. <laughs> High percentage shots. Yeah. Well, Gil, I expect you to pass. You put the ball in the hoop. Yeah. <laughs> the last thing you want to do is to see the ball go in the basket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So whether you shoot it or you're going to give it to me who's a 30% shooter. Uh -huh. You're going to shoot it because you know it's going to go in more than likely. <laughs> there was this point, though. You got to think about that. That Wherever that year was, I mean, you could probably boil it all down to it. When things shifted, what you were talking about with money, when it became Magic's a million-dollar man, other players see that, and then things became more... I, I think you guys were in the era that you handed it off to, let's say, the 90s, that it was just there was more freedom, and then it became more corporate. I think obviously with our play and uh, international basketball became big then because once we were able, Michael Jordan was to take the NBA overseas and I think the Olympic team, uh, that really opened it up a lot and it made uh, basketball uh, more financially successful and I think that's where players really lost their minds then because as they <laughs> see that there was money to be given and that owners almost had to pay you because the, the uh, NBA players uh, contract had to go where certain players had to make certain money. I think that's where, to me, the NBA kind of took a, a downward spiral in the play. The notoriety of the league and, and all of that became very, very big, but I think the play went down because now players were just trying to move around to get that big money and they weren't worried about working on their game during the off season. Do you think the, 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 that 92 Olympic run changed the way, because you're playing against overseas guys who were, they wasn't physically sound, they were more, you know, fundamentally sound, I mean, skilled, they were, they wasn't brute. Do you think that was the reason the NBA was like, hmm, let's back up off the fouling and all of that and change the game for more offense to try to adapt to that and the fact because I think as you went into the 90s, Gilbert, you see the physical, I mean, we were fighting almost every night. Mm -hmm. you know, and the referees had to cut back on that. The league wanted that. Uh, the late Mr. Stern wanted 
basketball to be played the right way. Mm -hmm. And I think what happened with all that physicality, I think we scared a lot of European players hmm. from coming over here because they were just playing basketball yeah. and you get a foul and foul. But now I got to come over there and play basketball and possibly fight my way out of a game. <laughs> all right, let's take a break to talk about our friends at Gabby. When it comes to car and home insurance, don't we deserve better? You know we do. I put my policy to the test and turned to Gabby. They literally stand for get a better insurance. Getting better insurance with Gabby means a better price for the same insurance coverage. Who knew something like this existed? They are the one true comparison platform with real rates. They give you an apples to apples comparison for your current coverage with 40 of the top insurance providers like Progressive, Nationwide, and Travelers all in one place. Use your current insurance information to get started, and in just minutes, you'll be able to see quotes for the exact same coverage you currently have, and it's free to use. I checked it out myself, and that's exactly what I did. Plugged in my information, got the good news, bad news because I was maybe paying too much for a long time, but the good news was I could save money, and that's exactly what Gabby customers do. Gabby customers save $961 per year on average, and they'll never sell your info, so no annoying spam or robocalls. Put your policy to the test just like I did and get better insurance with Gabby. It's totally free to check and there's no obligation. Go to Gabby.com slash no chill. That's G-A-B-I.com slash no chill. Gabby.com slash no chill. Save money. Get informed. The rules was being changed to accept this I'll go with group, that. Yeah. This I'll group go with of that. people. Because, you know, when you start looking back and you're like, why was there, where was this change at? And then you see the change is coming when Tony Kuk coach is coming in yep. and they're trying to shift and make yep. it, you know, and you can see the evolution of the rules being pulled off and no hand checking and what's coming into the league. And they wanted them scores to score yeah. because people wanted to see scores score. And I mean, you probably one of the best in the game and they could have you being fouled and hit every single time down mm -hmm. the floor. So... They, they want to see points on the board, but again, it was definitely for the European players to come overseas. And I think it was fun because if we can get FIBA involved in the NBA, which they eventually did, you see how the basketball has exploded worldwide. Well, what the Dream Team had was that per you had Magic, Bird, MJ, right? And you know, Magic and Larry were the perfect guys to take the NBA forward with the rivalry that you had, the number of times you played in the finals, but... The NBA in the 80s needed that because it was going in this path where it was just like really unorganized and wild because guys were just like you said, happy to be there. Like I'm a pro basketball player. I'm getting this money, more money than I imagined I'd have, but there was no discipline or organization. Well, you know what? Magic and, and Bird kind of opened that door, but it couldn't have survived without a Michael Jordan, without a Charles Barkley. You needed them creative high flyers to come in and show because that's what fans, you know, I've been overseas and did a couple of camps in the late 80s and 90s, and now they talked about, can you dunk? Can you dunk? Can you shoot far out? You know, kids want to see that, and you know, <laughs> Bird or Magic went dunking a lot. They weren't fast. Those two were grounded players, but now you see Michael Jordan. You see Charles Barkley, who was probably one of the biggest leapers in the game that we've known at a small forward, you see them come into fruition and, and fans get a chance to experience them too. You know, it's funny because me remembering that team, it was more like a video game. Our video game yeah. lineup yeah. came <laughs> to life. Unlike the All-Star game, that was cool, 
But now you get to put your, like, you got Jordan, Magic, and Bird on the same, like, you know, you sit there at home, like, oh my God, because, yeah, you get Jordan and Bird on the same team, but Magic was never there, now Magic, and you get to, you know, and that's, when you're a kid, that's what excited, because, you know, we're coming from, you know, I didn't realize Magic was older, Bird was on his last limbs, that didn't register in my con the concept of, I can put Magic, Bird, and Jordan in the same lineup on my video okay. game. That's, that's what that was. You, it, it was just one of those things yeah. where you had this dream thing. And that's what, that's what, from the kid's standpoint, that's what we loved about yep. the, the dream team. Like, that's... It, we didn't, I didn't, I don't know if Bird scored eight points. I don't even know if Bird... Like, I had to research and realize that Pippen led that team in assists. But you got to put the matchups all in one. It was yeah. like, yes. I remember going to my, you know, going to buy the jerseys and I'm trying to figure out which three I want to buy. <laughs> my dad said, you can get three. Like, oh, man. <laughs> three to three. You know, and that was, you know, that was the 92 dream, you know, for, for, yeah. for a kid at that age. Man, the video game explosion. Came. Yeah. I mean, like you said, came, I mean, it, I, that's where all the money came from. Yeah, I'm sorry. But it wasn't coincidence. It was marketing. That's what you mentioned, yep. David Stern. That's what he did was he saw that I have this thing. I have all this talent. How do I organize it, make this a professional thing? Because they had to compete with baseball, football, you know, and NBA really had to make a name for itself. Let me ask you a question. Would you say, what is, what is America's sport now? Because it used to be baseball. What would you say, Gil and Mike, is America's sport right now? Real quick, I know how Gil's thinking. NFL still gets the TV views. We, we all know that. Mm -hmm. But I think culturally, basketball is that because we see it all over the world, which it started. In so if you were to put a football, baseball, basketball on the ground and you ask 10 kids and you let one in the room and just pick, pick any ball you want to, you think how many to out of To play basketball. They're going to pick basketball. Yeah. And also, who do they know? How many would you say? Huh? Six out of 10, seven out of 10. How many would you say? Just random kids that just see sports. Just 10 the first kids time. that see sports. They see it all, and you let them in the room and say, hey, you got to pick one of those balls. I'll say 9 out of 10. 9 out of 10, okay. The reason is the ball bounces. Yeah. That's a good point. The ball bounces, yeah. so they can, you know, it's one of those things that they're going to gravitate to. They can, you got to remember, it's, it's life sports. Yeah. I don't have to be on a team to actually play this sport. Football. You can't just go, you know, by yourself and say, oh, I'm going to be a running back and yeah. throw the ball to my... You can't Good do the point. basketball. You can go and work on your... So it's, it's, the, it's the game of youth. Yeah. And, you know, like, oh, I'm going to go play pickup... When was the last time you heard somebody say, we're going to play, you know, flag football in the pickup game on Sunday? That's true. You know, you don't even have to be a basketball player to go play pickup game next Sunday. You just, hey, y'all, let's go out there and run up and down and mm -hmm. do what we do and have fun. So it's a life sports, but I think... Football and baseball gets that recognition mm -hmm. because their arenas are just bigger. Yeah. They're, they're just big arenas. Football, if football was played every single day, I think the value goes down. You know, the fact that we play all the time, and I think the excitement is like 80s, you were forced to be a fan of certain teams. Mm -hmm. Now you have TV where you can be like, all right, I watch a little bit of Iverson, a little bit of yeah. this, a little bit of that. You don't really have to be a fan of one or two. Yeah. You get to watch. You get to watch everybody now. Back then, you you like, hold on, wait, hold on, let me let me let me pick my team. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> you, know what I mean? you, you can't have more than you got one team. <laughs> you got one team, and you was a diehard of that team, no matter what. Me, I was Orlando Magic when Penny got there. Because mm-hmm. he beat the Bulls. Yeah. He beat my dad's team. Yeah, I'm Penny Hardaway everything. I was 25. I was number 25 in high school because that's what his number was in Memphis. You know, um, I couldn't get the number in, um, <coughs> in Arizona because they was retiring Steve Kerr's number, so I had to go with zero. You know what I mean? So, and then when, when I went to Arizona, I mean, when I went to Orlando, and I wanted, I was like, I want zero, but no, this is, this is a dream. I get to wear one. I'm going to wear one for Penny Hardaway. It was my dream when I went to Orlando. Penny Hard, I get the, the same thing. It was, it was one of those things. And you couldn't tell me nothing about Penny. Yeah. There was nothing you can, when Penny and Shaq had to fall out, we, bye Shaq. <laughs> <laughs> bye, bye Shaq. It's team, it's team Penny right here. <laughs> even, even watching the Laker games, even watching Laker games, I'm mad at Shaq because Penny. It's like, oh, look. And I'm a Laker fan. Like, oh, see, he's just giving him the ball. All right, we're going to take this championship. But then, yeah. yeah. And plus, another thing, Gilbert, I think with basketball, baseball, football, is when it rains, you can always go indoors with basketball. That's the one thing. You're so. talking about individuals, but I think the greatest thing that you were a part of and the greatest thing that the 80s had was a rivalry, the Celtics-Lakers rivalry. Which you could put that on TV all the time. It didn't matter if you weren't in Boston or, or LA, and I've seen Philly. I did want to watch those games though, because the rivalry—that that's the thing I feel like is just missing right now—a a true rivalry like that. I agree with that. Racism played a big part because you have Los Angeles. You have Los Angeles. Black team. The black team. Free. Yep. Nonchalant. And then you have Boston, white, racist. But they battled on the court as players. Yes. There was no race here. There was no race here between the players. No matter what was said on the court, the players wasn't racist. Yep. And you get to actually root. You get to root for it. You get to just, yes, get up, get up, get up. Like, and that was... It seemed like, to me, racism was between these two teams. And that's why that rivalry was so big for America. And every time the Lakers won, it's like it was less, a little less racism in the world. Yeah. A little less racism in the world. And that's how I grew up feeling. Like, there's Lakers won. There's a, I'm going to send it. I'm just going to throw a disclaimer out there. That's a broad brush that he just labeled those cities like that. So no offense to anybody. There. And, no, anybody. Some, no, 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 no. This is what I say. This is what I agree. No, Boston. Even though in Boston, and, and if you were from Boston, whether you were black or white, when the Lakers came to town, it was all in unison. You hated the Lakers. You hated the Lakers, yeah. You hated it. And it's the same thing. Out in L.A., White and black crowd, you hated the Celtics, so they came together. But again, it was like it was like Gil said, when we got on the court, it wasn't we didn't see color. You just mm-hmm. competed because they had that this green shirt it's on. Not, it's not Celtics green. Back then, it was you hated green and green. you hated yellow. Exactly. Exactly. You know, exactly. and, and and but that's why it was so. It was it was it seemed like it was what the world needed at that time, not knowing it. Yeah, because you got to remember. It. The two stars shaking hands, hugging, rooting for each other, it let you know this is bigger than just black and white. Yep. That's why I say these two are always connected forever. 
When you say bird, and you got to say the other one. You, can, you can't exactly. say one. Like when, yeah. they, when you say Mount Rushmore yeah. and you're trying to replace, either you replace them both or you keep them both. You can't yeah. say one, one without, without the other, other because it was the yin and the yang of the world. Even though no one ever admits it, it was like one of those things where you went to school after a Laker win, it was like, Okay, I ain't going to be called the N-word today. Cool. Let me ask you this, Gail. Do you think that Bird could have been successful in L.A. and Magic successful in Boston? I think Magic could have been successful in, in Boston. See, I don't I, think. I don't. I don't know. I don't know about Bird. You got to remember. Yeah. He has to, he has to come in with you guys. You got to remember. Now, you're talking about a fast group and a half-court player. Mm -hmm. It would have worked because you, now you got him and Kareem. It could have worked. You got to remember, Bur Magic over there is still going to speed them up. He's see, I, I don't see it. I don't see it. You, I, you, you got to remember, the guard, yeah. the guard is going to... I think they'd have figured it out but, eventually. That, but that's yeah. all it is. Yeah. Who's going to figure it out faster? First, yeah, that's it. Who's I, gonna, I just didn't see it working. Who's going to maximize the talent around them? Who, who's gonna, was Bird going to... You got to remember, Bird is Bird. And everyone is filling up. Magic is filling in the, the spots. Yeah. So there, he gets to make those guys a little bit better, a little mm -hmm. bit flashier. So it changes the, the dynamic. But you got to remember, you're still talking about two masterminds. Yeah. They figure it out because you're going to adjust to their, their skill level. But if Bird's here, you guys are not as fast. Yeah. And you know what? I, I, I really do believe it's the basketball guys put them two, two players two right where they're supposed to be. They couldn't have been anywhere else and they've been as successful. But I do agree with you. When you talk Magic Johnson and you're talking basketball, you've got to say Larry Bird. If you're talking Larry Bird, you've got to say Magic Johnson. I would say both of those guys were so good you could build, they, they changed the franchise wherever they would go. No, that's what, yeah. That you, but that's you, what you said, figure to, it to, out. That's what me growing up, it was just one of those things where it was two cities that were totally different. But the same culturally, but it was the same goal on the court. We yep. beat each other's ass and win the best man wins. Yep. And that's why that rivalry today still lives on. I think Bo again, we Bo talked about Bulls in Bulls in Detroit. Oh, I give a fuck about them two teams playing. Like actually, I did, Gil. <laughs> I actually like that. Yeah. Today, nobody pays attention to the Bulls Detroit. Uh, today, they gotta get the talent back today, up there. Today, Lakers versus that is still a yeah, big that's rivalry. That's right. why I say you're not letting it go. There's no letting it go. We hate them. They hate. We're gonna keep it forever. If they play right now and Lakers win a championship, they're gonna mention they have two more than. Ball. They're gonna exactly. mention it. Yep, yep, yep. You're gonna, right. gonna mention it. So you, what? What rivalry do we need today to get today's game? to at least come up through equivalent to that. You've got to, and that, and that is important. You make a good point, Mike. You have to have a rival. Can't. You don't see one that can't. can be made? No. I do. Who? New York and LA. <laughs> Brooklyn. Brooklyn's got it in the East right He's now, right? He's cute, isn't he? We like Mike. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Eastern Conference, Western Conference the, the, is naturally going to be that's like That's what I'm that. saying. The world is different now. Yeah. The world is different now. It's not the same. That's why, like, most of the things in their 80s, are still iconic today. Mm. It was a different time. It was it was a different era. You know, like you're, you're talking about boundaries being set and broken for the world to be the way it is. Mm -hmm. So you you can't you can't give a rivalry 
to today's world when everyone is everyone is free when people were fighting for that right. You know, so like you look at a rivalry now, you got to remember to be a Laker, you had to understand what being a Laker was. Same thing with Boston. Same thing with, with Jordan and the Bulls. Well, there, there's no loyalty now. And you know, Gil, that's what I try to tell players now. The young players with the Lakers, every now and then, I'll, this is last year before COVID hit, but you see them, and you know, they put that Laker uniform on, they don't understand the significance of that. You don't understand, you have to understand the significance of that jersey. If you put that jersey on, you represent not just you and your family, you represent the city of Los Santos. And these guys go out there and play, and when they play the Celtics, it's like, oh, no, the fans see something different. Yeah. The fans see something different. <laughs> and, and, and that's why, I, I, you know, you got to tell the older, you can't, you got to judge them different because they're never going to understand the battle, the battle that had to be fought for these mm-hmm. up here. Mm-hmm. They're, 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 these, this was war yep. for this. What you guys doing now is basically luxury. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's why the, the... Do you think LeBron gets it? I do. No, no. He understands, yeah. he understands the past okay. very well. Yeah. But you got to remember, even with him, though, he doesn't have a right. There's no rival team. Mm-hmm. See, we give him a rival team, whoever's the champion that year. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you got to remember, for him... You're building just to beat him. Yeah. You're not building to beat the Lakers. Lakers yeah. You're building yeah, to beat, beat LeBron. If you can beat LeBron, you have a better chance at winning the championship. Yeah. So, you know, so you don't really have that team rival. There's no, it's not a team rivalry anymore. It's how, a player rivalry. How can rivalry. we get that back? What is I thought? was actually going to say the answer to your question is player rivalries. You can't, you, you got player rivalries. Yeah. You, can't, you don't have. You know, you don't you don't have team rivalries because the money's different. You don't you can't you can't build dynasties mm-hmm. because that's the key. You yeah. got to remember with dynasties, great players have to sacrifice big. Yeah. You know, so when you look at dynasties and how Golden State was formed, the best player was undervalued at the time because he was injured. So you have a max superstar, the guy who changed the, the, the world now for shooting and how you play this game was getting paid $60 million. So now when free agency comes up and Kevin Durant is, you're like, oh, wait, hold on. I can max Kevin Durant out. Now you can max him out and it doesn't affect your cap because the player who's supposed to be maxed out is making pennies on a dollar compared to his, mm-hmm. his, his, his ability. You know what I mean? If, if Steph was already maxed, Kevin can't come. You know, so there, during Dynasty, Bulls Dynasty, Jordan was underpaid. You know, so you have all these underpaid players, and that's how you can keep bringing on assets. And that's what wins championships that, to me, though, Gil, and I think that's the key. And that's why it was so devastating for me. Again, yes, I know you want to get your value as a player, but for Kevin to lead Golden State, that right there could have been the dynasty that they continue to build. We're different mm-hmm. than, you know, 80s and 90s. And the reason is we're under the pressure of chasing you guys. 
but we don't have the luxury of longevity of being That's on that true. same team. Yep. So what ends up happening is you're like, all right, you know, this guy has four rings and he had four rings by his sixth year. Mm-hmm. I got zero. Uh, I'm a free agent. They're talking about, you know, I'm not good enough to win a championship by myself. I got to go. I, I got to go. I got to go build. And then now if I don't like you personally, <laughs> now if I don't like you personally, yeah. I don't need to be here. Yep. You, you, you guys are better without me. Well, fucking fine. I'm out. You know what I mean? I don't have to take this shit. And that's what ends up happening. Yep. The money is so big, I don't have to like you. Yeah. You know, if, if, if it was everyone equal, you're talking about Michael Jordan making $4 million. Who, who, do, who, do, who are you to say <laughs> you don't like me? Maybe you'll sit your ass back down and put them weights up. <laughs> On the end of the bench. Yeah, this is what I'm saying. You, do, <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, when, when one's making this much, you know, so it's one of those things where I don't have, I don't, I don't, I don't have to, to like, I don't have to stay on this team. If you don't want to put players around me, I'm going to go find a guy who's willing to do it. You know what, Gilbert, I'm glad you make that point because toward the end of my career, in 1990 I played and I finished up, uh, Dr. Buss took me out to dinner and uh, took my wife and I. We went out and had a nice dinner in Beverly mm-hmm. Hills. And at the end, I was like, okay, something is coming up. He goes, Coop, I got three things for you. I said, yeah. He said, you know, we're, we're trying to keep winning championships and uh, we just think you're too old. And he goes, he says, uh, we can, I'm going to let you pick one. Mm -hmm. He says, we can either trade you, we can cut you, or you can retire, and I'll give you a job in the front office. Gilbert, I I sat there that night, and I was thinking, uh, my wife, and he says, you don't have to answer now, but you got to answer me in like a couple of days. So I go home with my wife, and I'm sitting there thinking, and I go, you know what? I don't want to be cut, because I've always felt that whatever team, and it just happened to be the Lakers, I want to finish my career with one team. I didn't want to be traded because trading to me would be like, okay, I go to another team, yeah, I might make some money, but now I got to come back and do what you said, tear <laughs> all that down with another team. Mm-hmm. Everything I've helped build, I got to tear it down. So I opted to retire and I went overseas to play. And doctor, so when I finally told him, I said, Doc, I'm going to retire and go, you know, I said, can I go overseas and play? And I went over where Brian, Danny Ferry and Brian Shaw were playing with Il Messagero in Rome. And I went over there, and fortunately, I was able to get paid from there. But when I came back, I only played one year. He said, when you get back, Coop, as soon as you get back, come to my office. So I get back, I go to his office, and he has a five-year contract for me working as, and, and this true story, you know how they have that position now called special assistant to the general manager? Mm-hmm. I, I was the first one to have oh. that. <laughs> oh, wow. Like, what the fuck is special <laughs> assistant? What, you know, and mm-hmm. Jerry says, Coop, uh, Jerry West was our general manager. He says, Coop, all you got to do is just be here and learn and listen. Listen and learn. I said, you sure don't have to get you no donuts or mm-hmm. no paper in the morning. Stuff you do as a rookie to other vets. Mm-hmm. He said, no, just learn. So that was probably one of the biggest experiences I had that I really defined me as a basketball player for my loyalty, as you said, to the game. I could have left in, in San Antonio, Boston, Philadelphia, and the Clippers were my agent would tell me, these are teams that want you, Coop. You never would have gone to Boston. And never would have went mm-hmm. to the Clippers. So <laughs> there were only two choices. But no, so I, I chose to do that. But I, I agree with you. That loyalty of uh, wanting to be part of something special and not uh, 
think about I, 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 it's about we, we, we. And I think that was the most important lesson I learned through that. But the loyalty was both ways though. Yep. yep. You know what I mean? It's not like you, you, you woke up in the morning and looked on the, you know, you looked on your phone and you've been traded. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been devastating. You know, halfway through a trip, yeah. you know, you, you, you're talking about, you know, a guy who, and we have to, we have to say, Bus understood. Very much so. He understood people. Very much so. He understood business. He understood evolution because just like that is, hey, listen, we got the three options. Yeah. Knowing what option you're going to take. Mm-hmm. You got to remember, he knows what option you're going to take. You know? <laughs> you, you, <laughs> you know, you, now that you say that, you, I have a feeling. You know what option. Yeah. You, yeah. You, you, are, you are a Laker. Yeah. You are here. This yeah. is your, yeah. you know, so I know where you're going to come. And that's the, that's the reward. And I there's only a few of those. Right. There's only a few of those left. And, and, and as players, you know loyalty. And that's when you're willing to be loyal back. You know, time after time right now, we look at the stories. Okay, they did that to him. Oh, they did that to him? Scratch that off my list. Yeah. You know, you got to remember, even yeah. back then, we'll yeah. call. Exactly. Hey, man, uh, hey, how did you like it over there? How did yeah. you like that coach? Oh, man, he don't like, all right, well, scratch him off the list. Like, and we do that. We, we, we do that. We, we, we put out our checks. We try to figure out who's who, um, what's what. You know, like right now, I can say, you know, like, you know, the Mavs, you know, uh, Cuban comes from that, that, that loyalty, that loyalty clock. You know, the fact that he he's still maxing out dirt when everybody's like, ah, he's done. He's like, well, as long as he wants to play, he's maxed. Yeah, it's my guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and Popovich. And Popovich. Um, you know, Barrera, he signs Barrera mm-hmm. one more deal for a championship that was won eight, nine years ago. I'm still rewarding you for it. You know what, Gilbert, <laughs> I, I, I really do mean this. Why are we doing No Chill podcast? You should have your own TV show, man. Like Oprah or something like that every day. Come in. No, seriously, it should be a sports show. You're very good, man. I do. I'm you, learning. You, you, you got to learn. You got, but that's what I'm saying is I can only move forward on. You got to remember, you guys are the most professional group. Nobody's going to ever say it. Thank you, sir. 80s. Yep. Yeah is the most professional group. So if you want to learn mannerisms, you have to watch. Yeah. You know, so after the Laker game, yeah, I can watch ESPN and Charles Barkley. No, I want, I want to see, because you're going to be politically correct. You're going you're, you're gonna to be edgy, but not too edgy. So mm-hmm. you get to learn the cadence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You get to learn the cadence of how basketball is taught yeah. and talked about. Yeah. You know what I mean? So right now it's, yeah, even though, you know, I can, Sit here, you got Charles Barkley style. You're just trying to you're trying to grab as much information as you can on how to keep moving forward. And you know, I always said like 80s, you know, it's the it's the most professional, it's the most professional group, hands down. Because they, so they, listeners, they, you listen, you heard it first here <laughs> from Coop about this guy right here. When this show come about, give me a little bit of credit. I but got you. Good. <laughs> There's a, there's a lot of praise going around right now, and I want to do this. I want to give, they say, give your flowers while you're living, right? This man was Defensive Player of the Year in 1987. Think about that. You had Larry Bird in his peak. You had to check him. You had Michael Jordan, young MJ, 87 MJ. 
that was your assignment on a nightly basis and you got reward, you know, acknowledged for that that season. So we guys are one of the best you, defenders of your era. But you know what, Mike? The thing about that is those two uh, were definitely the hardest, uh, but they were actually the easiest because players without the basketball are your fearful ones. And Larry and Michael without a basketball could still score. But you got to remember, I came up uh, with George Gervin, I can't finger roll, Dr. J, the hardest player, or one of the hardest I ever had to guard, and I don't know if you probably know Remember Andrew Tony? Andrew Tony went to Southwest Louisiana. He was on Philadelphia Sixers 83 team when they won the championship. They called this guy the Boston Strangler mm. because this guy could, he could score, man. Andrew Tony was a flat out score. He ended up uh, rupturing his Achilles and never came back from it. But thank you for that, uh, Michael. But you know, there were so many great players. You forget about David Thompson, mm -hmm. uh, Dale Ellis, uh, I mean, just to name a few, Dennis Johnson in his own. He had a lot of great players. Alex English. Drexler? Sometimes Drexler. No, sometimes was a force, too. No, I'm saying, like, because he was changing from, what, the, the one to the two sometimes. Yeah, yeah. but it didn't matter because oh, you yeah, had to catch on the wing, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Clyde yeah, yeah. was almost like Dr. J <laughs> flying with his afro flying back. But you had a lot of great players that I had the opportunity and uh, – because you so got to figure that out. A lot. I think the other thing was that the modern athlete was coming mm -hmm. with like Dominique, another guy from that era. But with, with Jordan, you had to approach things differently. You right? know who was another tough one? And believe it or not, Spud Webb. Spud was hard to guard because when you got down here, he almost yeah, like yeah, yeah. Yeah. Spud was tough to guard, man. He was and could score on any given night on anybody. You know what? I'm glad you. You know, I'm gl I'm glad you went with. Someone no one knows. And this used to be our argument why we argue with media mm -hmm. about lists. Your list isn't our list. Mm -hmm. You can tell us who the best offensive guy is. The players know because they got to guard it. Yep. So your top players in a category and you ask the people who had to guard these guys, they're like, no, nah, he was... He was okay. Yeah, he, he averaged 30, but the hardest person I had to guard was this guy right yep. here. And you don't even know him. <laughs> and, and they ended like, so, when, you know, when you see MVP voting and all of this, we look at the list sometimes like, oh, they got, they got it wrong this year. Yeah. You know, they didn't best. Mm. You, you got it wrong. Okay, you got it right. And we do that. And that's why I was like, the media, you, you guys look at the game from a whole different standpoint versus player. That, that category best player should be done by the players. Yeah. They're going to give you the truth on who is an MVP because we understand a great team and a great player or someone who has to will a team to even compete. Mm -hmm. You know, we can, we, we understand, we understand it because we have a game plan. <laughs> we have a game plan to say, are right, we going to double this guy? Let these guys beat us because they are irrelevant. So that means this guy has to play one against five. Yeah. Yeah. Versus this guy's like, well, we don't have to double him tonight. Boom, boom, boom. Because I remember, and this is where I was like, I thought he was crazy when he said it. But it ended up happening the way he mentioned. We're playing Miami, Shaquille O'Neal. Kwame Brown says, we're, we're in the game plan. And coach says, all right, listen, when Shaq catches on a block, we're going to come big to big. All right, everyone dumps down. Kwame says, you don't, no, we're not a double. I, I can hold him off. <laughs> Right? I can hold him off. Don't worry. Kwame Brown said yes. <laughs> and he says, 
All he's going to try to do is try to out-muscle me. That ain't working here. Right? So we're sitting here like, <laughs> what? <laughs> for the most part, he had Shaq under control mm -hmm. for us actually not to double. We had to double when the other bigs, but because of Kwame's brute strength, mm -hmm. he held Shaq to those first three dribbles where I can just dig down mm -hmm. versus one pound, I'm dunking. We're playing Toronto. And Eddie Jordan's, what's his name? was like, all right, um, Kwame, you're going to play, you're going to guard um, Chris Bosh, you know, play him straight up. Whoa, no, we're going to have to double that Chris Bosh. <laughs> Kwame said that? Yeah. This is before we knew what Chris Bosh was. Yeah. And he said it. No, 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 no. We're going to have to double this, 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 this Chris Bosh. He's the real deal. Mm -hmm. uh, yo, no, we, didn't, we just didn't double Shaq. And you're talking about doubling Chris who? Man, get the, get the hell out of here. Sure enough. <laughs> Step back like, wait, what is this? <laughs> like, like, where did this guy come from? Like, who did, but the player is saying it. The player is telling us like, yo, no, double him. Yeah. Trust me, he's going to give me a hard time because he knows he's too fast. He's too skillful. I can deal with this brute strength. This guy is harder for me than this guy, and this guy is all world. Yeah, and I didn't understand that until after we played Chris Bosh. Well, you know what, what it really meant. That man, I ain't <laughs> never having nobody come double. I got you until you show. There so we I don't go. Care who it is. There we and, but, go. And, yeah. that, and that was the thing, though, because Coach said I'm not doubling no Chris Bosh yeah. until Chris Bosh finished that game with forty something, <laughs> and we're sitting here like. What? Just well, I tell you what, if I was guarding, I'd have fouled out. Yeah. He got that forty on somebody else, <laughs> and that was the thing. It was like that was the first time I understood yeah. that there is a matchup that just some players I, can't deal with. You just can't, can't deal, deal with. with and there's some guys that they're all world mm -hmm. to the world, mm -hmm. but not to you. And it's like, oh yeah. No, no, no. The one thing I love about it is that Kwame, he 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 knew what he was dealing yeah. with. You know, it, it doesn't say that. But that it was, was my, it was it was it was one of those times where you know you're trying to you're trying to understand you know mm -hmm. what a player's coming from and trying yeah. to you know and when he said it, it just didn't it didn't make sense. Like yeah, you're talking about Shaquille O'Neal and you know who he is and what he's built, and then you're talking about this young guy mm -hmm. and you're a young guy. It should that's be the, the thing. It should be easy, mm -hmm. not realizing. This is a whole nother realm of a player that was too fast exactly. for him. He couldn't use his strength to stop it. It was just different. And I'm and, and I always from that standpoint, it was like, I have to look at a different two now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like this guy, he probably averages four points. But when I stick him, he gets 20 points. Yeah. Like, was, that's like the Larry Bird scenario for me. Is that it was like I said, easy to guard Larry because I knew kind of what he was going to do. But now I'm guarding Andrew Tony, who's about six three, six four, a little bit more athletic, a little bit stronger, a little bit more deceptive. So I understand where he was coming from. But in good defensive players' defense, <laughs> you never say you can't guard him. <laughs> you just deal with it. But the physical thing, yeah, you can understand that's the challenge when somebody's got that first yeah. step. The thing about Bird that is what I want to know about is when he's so skilled like that. Yeah, he was six seven, but he threw every ball fake at you. He, you know, he called the shot, had the quick high release. That's the challenge. He comes with the complete skill set. 
So th those are the players, ones that, are, that gave me a hard time, but players that were fundamentally sound, had great footwork, reverse pivot, forward pivot, could do things like that, uh, could do things without the basketball. I know when Larry gave the ball up, I knew my work really had to start then because I had to concentrate on boxing him out. I knew if he was going to find his way to the basketball, and it wasn't necessary to score, it was to pass the ball to Parrish. One thing Larry said to me, uh, he never did any sugar honey iced tea talking. He just kind of like played. And, but this one time he said, came down and I'm playing him. This is 1987. We're playing for the champion. And he goes, um, Coop, I'm about to wear your ass out. So I'm locked in on it now. And I'm, this the basket behind me and I'm here. And Robert Parrish comes down and sets a pick. And I was hard to set a pick on. So I knew I was going to get through it. But Larry takes me in. He comes off this pick and he comes off right about the elbow. Dennis Johnson threw him the basketball. And Kareem steps up. So Larry catches the ball, and I'm right behind him. And he catches the ball, and he goes up. I said, I'm going to smack this shit. <laughs> he goes up. Kareem is there. My hands are there, and I'm like this. I don't know how this guy got the ball to Robert Parrish, but he throws it to Parrish for a pick-and-roll play. Parrish gets the ball slam dunk. Boston goes up. The fans going crazy. He goes, I told your ass. And to me, that might seem like something simple, but that's – the greatness of a great player in Larry Bird. And from that point forward, we never talked. He never said anything else, but it was just the fact that he got, he, he wore my ass out on that play. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's the thing I respected a lot about him. Because Larry could score with or without the basketball. One of the greatest plays you've ever seen him play, uh, Boston versus Detroit Pistons. Johnny Moses is calling the game. Larry jumps out of bounds, steals the ball. Johnny Moses, Bird steals the ball, Bird steals the ball. He throws it to DJ, DJ lays it in, they beat uh, Detroit. Though that kind of player there, that's the ones that you like to see and like to play against. And that was the thing, really, I think the Lakers got the, the last word in the rivalry winning because things for the Celtics fell short, right? His body kind of broke down. And then when they had help, it was that we were seeing the Len Bias moment. Like that's where his help was going to come. You know what? Uh, that is such a tragic accident that happened with that young man, Lynn Bias. And we had a friend of uh, his, Adrian Branch, mm -hmm. close friend of his, and he told us about that, that night uh, when all that went down. I'm going to say this, and I've never said this before. Had Boston got, got Lynn Bias, and they played against us, they would have beat our ass every time. That's how good Lynn Bias was. That was the crazy thing. That's Lynn where the Bias future of the franchise was going to go. was a better player, but just as good a player as James Worthy. Do you remember Lynn Bias? Nah. This kid, I, I mean, I know the name yeah, and, you no. know, heard the stories. This kid could jump out the gym, could shoot a jump shot, run the floor, block shots with the best of them. Had Boston got him, it would have been hard for us to beat them. We would, we, I don't think we'd ever beat them again. Him... Larry Bird, Robert Parrish, and Kevin McHale. It would have been, that probably would have went down as the best front line for players that you could ever have in the history of the game. Okay. How, how is Boston set up to even get that pick? That's red our back. Red Shaking yeah, and that moving, was a trade man. coming it off was, that, yeah. that 86 team people said was the greatest yeah. team ever. Yeah, that's like, how do you, like, like when moving you hear those players teams, and, and the draft Because he knew, because he knew that these guys are aging. I need to infuse yeah. young talent. We saw him and it's like, this guy's going to change the and game. And he had made that move two years before and he had traded to where he was able to get that first, got the number one pick, man. Mm. That, and and that's that's, 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 like, it's, 
But it was recognizing what we talk about is the younger modern skill player was coming that had the physical, he had the 40 inch vertical, he had the six, eight, you know, in the wingspan, in the jump shot, like you said, he was refined. Yeah, but this guy could jump up and you know, the white line at the, uh, yeah, the top yeah. could hit both hands. Oh, you take one step, free. Oh, he jump up. And Lynn Bias was a terror, man. This guy was so good. just think of how differently it would have been for Boston history in this rivalry, where because they would have they been they I life. think they would have beat us more than we beat them with them. They were good. Yeah, see, that's you know one of those those guys that's not in my era for me to mm -hmm. you know you, I know the name and heard the stories, but because I'm not there, I wouldn't know how good or how he would have changed history. Today's player, who would he be? I think he would be LeBron. equivalent to like LeBron. Oh, he doesn't have the handles like LeBron, the but his whole yeah. package and game, he was about 6'9", about a good solid 220, 230. Oh. And he was built nice too, man. Nice big shoulders on him. Oh, so he was that generational player that was coming up. Oh yeah, and he could that, he was a little limited as far as his ball handling, but if you got him in the post, one or two bounce dribbles, you weren't gonna stop him because he was jumping up over you. And he could kill that little 15-footer. That was a layup to him. How good was the big O? Oscar was probably, he was Magic Johnson on a much smaller level. But that dominating force, Oscar was very, very good. The thing about Oscar is that he was only right-handed. Mm -hmm. And back then, people weren't, you know, had the scouting reports where, hey, take away this guy's right. But you could still take Oscar's right away, but he was going to get there. Uh, I, yeah, he was, he was Magic Johnson before Magic. Okay, because exactly. I was looking at the numbers and I'm like, he was Magic Johnson before <laughs> Magic. Because you got to remember, back then assist yeah. was harder, and he was six six too. So he was a oh, freak. A, oh, he, he was, was freak oh, back okay, then so too. Oscar was about yeah about I'd say about a good six five, but about a two thirty two forty because he was like, but oh. it didn't look like he was fat. He was just a big player. But oh wow, everything. Yeah, that's why I would say his advantage was his 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 strength. Yeah. Before okay, guys were hitting, because you know I'm looking because you know I'm thinking you know 10, 15 assists back then. What is that now? Four, five, real no assists? three pointers. No, yeah, no, no, no not, not even about that. Is you got to remember, we're lenient today in the sense. Yeah, like yeah. I, I, I looked at some games and they'll pass it to the guy at half court. He'll get it. Two dribbles, spin, step back, and they'll give that guy an assist. Yeah. I'm like, that's not an assist. That's just a fucking. <laughs> You know, <laughs> you know, now, you know, back then, assist was here, Catch score, door, yeah. you know, yeah. so it was like, you know, 15 assists back then is like 20 something now, 25, yeah. 20, 25 now. So it's like, that's why I said it's hard because the rules is adapted to keep the numbers the same. But see, Oscar was so good is that once he got into the low post and he made a turn, usually a double team was coming and he was just dumping it over the top okay. like that. So. And we needed this skill. We needed some. We needed some perspective on your era because uh, we needed somebody to defend the era. That was, is it. That, that time, Mike. It is that time, though. That's what we're building up for because there's some history here. Uh -huh. we, people got to know about. Um, and I think you got some tricks up your sleeve. Oh, I just got one. <laughs> oh, just, I just one. Arrow. Okay. I get that. One arrow to shoot. Agent Zero. I get one arrow. No, you, you get okay. more than one. You, no, I just got one arrow. Okay. 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 Agent Zero. You being in the <laughs> NBA at that particular time. I'm wondering if you were on the same wavelength as Wilt Chamberlain, how many women did you sleep with? Now, Wilt, Wilt slept with 2,500 women. Now, I can't tell you if that was in one season or two seasons, but we want to know how many for you at that time when you played. 
That's a first for that question. It was different. It's different because <laughs> because it wasn't a lot. Like I, I got I got fooled when I got into the NBA. I got fooled. You know when you came into the NBA, you was like, oh, the women are gonna be cut. They didn't want no second round player. They didn't want no second round guy who sat at the end of the bench. So what ends up happening is I'm trying to be where when I go to the, the hotel lobby. You know, you got to remember, you were Lakers Showtime, so they, they outside, they outside waiting for you. They, there was no, there was no, somebody coming from the Golden State, when I was at the Golden State Warriors, no women are waiting for the goddamn uh, Wizards. So okay, we know all that, but so we now we have to go, Now I have to go to the club. We're looking for a number. That's what, now I got to okay. go to the club and, and, and search. I wasn't a clubber. I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't a clubber. You know, I'm hearing about Magic Johnson. You got to remember. All I can go off of what I hear, right? Magic Johnson don't have sex before the game. Right, that imagine to be Magic Johnson can't have sex the night before the game, right? So you AC Green didn't even have sex. Well, I don't want that at know? all. You know, you know what I'm saying? So like, this is all the stories we know, right? So I'm trying to build to be that recognition. So my 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 sexual experience wasn't in the. Two thousands, and I wish. Okay, so what number? That's what number we, for that one year for your best year oh. off the court. We're talking all NBA year. Yeah, that goes yeah all NBA. Oh, you're talking, yeah, you're talking yeah, about like twenty twenty nine. Yeah, you're talking about my, my twenty nine average. Oh, they said Wilt had twenty five hundred women. How many for you? Different women. <laughs> I think that's what yes. Will said. Yeah. Yes. Well, 25 different women, 2,500 for Will. Probably 15. There's only 365 days in a year. <laughs> probably, probably 15. Okay. So do the math at home if you know. Yeah, that was about that. Yeah, probably, for that whole year, like probably 15. And it came more, more in the summer. That's pretty good. Because I'm traveling. I'm not, not good. Well, I mean, shit, you, good, you, you damn Magic Johnson handicapped. The, the, the story handicapped me. The night before the game came, and have sex. So no, you cannot come. <laughs> it was, no, you know what I mean. So it kind of. So now I'm only now I only have a window of teams where there's at least a two days in between the games. You know because no back to back for, for the year. No, that, that's what I'm saying. You know, I'm more I'm more I'm the thinker. So I'm trying to figure out like the rules. You know what I mean? We're not being we're not taught. You know, we're not taught, so I'm trying to understand because my first my first year in the NBA, zero. No, my first year in the NBA is zero is zero. I didn't I didn't have I didn't like I have a girlfriend. Let's talk about your best year. No, but I'm saying so yeah. you gotta remember I'm I'm trying to build up to the you're you're the Lakers, right? What you see, what y'all see is not how the rest of the fucking <laughs> league went. That did not the, the rest of us did not have 20,000 people outside and women like coming down fire escapes and shit. Some things they were pioneers on, some things they were they were living the good life. No, no, trust me, we trust me. The stories. Fire escape, women sneaking through. That, that shit did, not, did, not, happen did to not happen to the rest of us. That didn't happen to us. Women waiting for us the goddamn bus. Just six dudes outside wanting autographs. <laughs> That's it. You know what I mean? That was it. Sign the autographs. We get off the bus. 
Because so, I thought I was like, yo, where the where, where the women? At? So Gilbert's number is fifteen. Yeah, it's about fifteen. So you're my, way my, way down the yeah, list. Yeah, my highest. Yeah, my highest. Way way down the list. So Wilt remains the champion at twenty five hundred. <laughs> the modern era has that yeah, too like, going for it. The summer, I understand. You know, I you know I understand the summer, and I understand road trips. But there was some there was some cities was like, nah, I got I got to focus, nah. You know, it's like like, and then it's Miami. I don't want to bring sand to Miami, so I'm gonna try to find something in Miami. You know, what I mean? <laughs> South <laughs> Beach. But you gotta remember, there's certain there's certain groups of teams that are just magnets. Yep. You know, I'm, I'm pretty sure Golden State, that's a magnet team. You know, Lakers, LeBron, that's a magnet team. Like, you, you, no, no, ain't nobody waiting for Utah or Denver Nuggets. Nobody's, nobody's outside working for Rudy Goldberg. Like, come on. No, that's not going to happen here. Nothing against Rudy, but nobody's waiting for it. The, there ain't a bunch of models waiting for that team, bro. There's a you never of, know nowadays, man. Now, not Brooke, with COVID hey, going on. I'm but, pretty sure yeah. Brooklyn Nets, when they pop into town, I'm pretty Ooh, sure. Yeah. They got a lot of money on that team. <laughs> they got a lot of money on that team. Memphis Grizzlies, you probably got two fans out there. Boy, Cavs? Cavs right now? Oh, no, nobody's out there, man. Nobody's out there, bro. They bringing their wives to those games. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. Well, I think let's get on this. The greatest thing we got to appreciate, though, we want to know about this, the forum back in the 80s. The forum or the forum club? Both. Probably the best place in the world to be on a Laker night. Uh, it was Set better, the scene for us. It was better than there. some. Well, I was married, so I mean, I just heard you stories can just, you myself. Can browse. But, uh, uh, I mean, I went through there a couple of times. I had my wife in, in my hand, you know, hand in hand. We were walking through there, but it was uh, the forum. Cl- the forum was a very special place because, again, as Doctor Bus said, it was uh, entertain the entertainers. So you had a lot of people coming. Michael Jackson used to come dressed as an old man. And that was fun because the only one that knew was Magic. So, you know, at the end of the game, he'd go, Coop, look across there. See the guy, the old guy in the fourth row up? That's Michael Jackson. So it was fun to kind of hear them kind of stories because he couldn't come out himself because wow. there would be no game. But um, the Forum Club afterwards was like uh, probably the hottest spot to be after, or even better than a nightclub because you had the Laker girls going through there after the game. And it was just a lot of fun, a lot of fun. See that? Yeah. Great times. Like, I remember when I was in Orlando, when I got traded to Orlando, um, they had a club inside the arena. You, you, you're talking about, this. Is, I'm on my you know, ninth year. This is the first time I've ever, you know, I, I heard, I know the Lakers, you know, they, this is the first time I've heard of such a thing. Like a club inside. Like a club club. Music. Like a club, yeah. like where everyone goes after the yeah. party. I'm like... <laughs> Wait, what? Like this is a, this is the best place on earth. You know what I mean? You know, but then I just got off the gun thing. I'm still not crowd free. I'm, you know, I'm trying to stay away from people. You know what I mean? So I didn't even get to enjoy the scene with the cow. I like, you know, I'm just gonna go home. But you know, you hear the stories, and I'm like, man, they really had clubs inside the arenas like that. Because in Washington, I never heard of such a thing. Mm-hmm. Golden State, I never heard of such a thing. You know, so it was just, like my experience. I told people, I said, the one thing that I regret, I didn't enjoy it to its fullest. But you know what, Gilbert? And I say this, and the one thing that, that I believe in, had I not been married, I don't think I would have the success, <laughs> the success that you had, man, because. But you can be married and still experience 
No, you, yeah, can, you can see Let it. Let me not experience you the, the. You see not, it. That's but, it. But I was not experience the, the the partying, but experience just the like. No, girl. Like, I remember, that's I, like taking sand to the beach. Why yeah. would I go into the forum club with my yeah, wife? No. Just, like, no, like, like me, I'm a hermit. I didn't even know New York was like this eatery place mm-hmm. until I get. I got drafted in 2001. I didn't know nothing about New York until 2010. Like the night scene and all that? Just like eat, they have yeah. nice restaurants and all that. I stuff. didn't know about New York as a player until I was a head coach with the LA Sparks. Uh-huh. Then I would go out then. And that's when I found out eating, yeah. <laughs> places that you can go. I didn't know that because of the head coach. I mean, I didn't have to play or anything mm-hmm. like that. So I got a chance to go out. And okay, so you was one of them. Like, yeah. you just, you know, you, yeah, you, you're you sitting there excluding yourself. Yeah. Like, because, you know, in the summer, I didn't travel. So, you know, Atlanta, I didn't I didn't go to strip clubs, you know. So it was one of those things where I was so... Tri- strip clubs in Atlanta? Yeah. I didn't know that. I coached down there for Atlanta Dream. Oh, there's some of the, the best, best in the world, yeah. And I never went out down there. <laughs> I was down there for four years. This is a married man. But you're married, you <laughs> know. No, I wasn't. But, well, yes, I was married there. Does it, but I had to... I, I, for some reason, I was, I was... I was under an impression that sacrifice... Yes. You know, I so, you. Yeah. you know, so during the season on game day, yeah. no telephone. Exactly. I didn't have no cell phone. Don't contact me. If you're going to, if you want tickets, you know, we had a, a lady by the name of uh, Sasha Jones, Miss mm-hmm. Jones. You contact Miss Jones. Don't contact me. Do it the night before. Yeah. You know, so I limited myself. That's how I was. And, I, and, I, and, and I just thought that's, that's what everyone did. You know, like yeah, I knew some guys, like, no, I have teammates who like their thing was. They club. They got a club the night before. I had two teammates like that. They go whenever they. And, I, and that was their, and that was what. That's what made them successful. No, and these I, guys were bench players. They oh no. <laughs> uh, this I don't know if I ever told this story before. Funniest funniest story ever. So you know we're a veteran team. We have our our routine. Everyone has their routine. So you know, as one of the captains, I got a. I got to understand who everyone is. Mm-hmm. I got to bridge the gap. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> Flip Saunders is our coach, right? <laughs> Flip Saunders is our coach. So now we have an old, older team and a very young team. So Flip Saunders comes in and says, "Curfew. It's gonna be a. Uh, we're gonna have a curfew. Everybody in the hotel by nine o'clock." Oh, well, okay. So you got players like nah. What are you talking about? <laughs> nah. He said, I don't even I, eat I, I, dinner. I don't eat dinner till 10 o'clock. Right? So I go to Sam, I go to Sam Cassell, like, hey uh, Sam, is he serious about like like being in a hotel? He's like, no, nah, he's dead serious. Like, so what is the rule? Like be in the hotel, be in your room, no company. Like, how does this work? I've never I've never heard of no shit like this. Mm-hmm. Like, I've heard football players do it. He was like, no, you have to be in this hotel by nine o'clock. But you had curfew in college, right? No. <laughs> Arizona. <laughs> so, you know, I'm sitting here trying to relay the message like, nah, bro, you got to be in the hotel. He's like, nah, man, he ain't going to fuck up my game one. My game one. He's like, he's like, my game one, I need to do what I do to be who I am. Don't, you're not going to take that away from me. I was like, you know what? I understand that because Allen Iverson 
used to party. That was his thing. And then when they tried to clean him up, uh-huh. they said, no partying, eat this. It was the worst two weeks of his career. It was, he, didn't, he didn't function like this. this yeah. was, I said, this is part of a mojo versus a lifestyle. So I said, hey, Sam, listen, we're going to have to come to a happy medium, bro. And they're, they're talking about no. I was like, bro, I'm not going to go back to these players and tell them no. You got to remember, it's you, newbies, versus franchise. Mm-hmm. I cannot let you win. I just, I just can't let you win. I lose, I lose the rest of this group. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's, there's layers here. You're trying to earn our trust. We're not trying to earn yours. So you're going you're gonna to force, force my hand here. He was like, what y'all going to do? You're going to force my hand here. I have to set it. I got to make sure everyone's getting what they're getting, bro. <laughs> so, they, you know, Sam, man, you're just going to have to do what you got to do. All right, fine. I said, all right, man, I didn't want to do this on, to the coach for the first time. All right, whatever. Uh, DG's Gentleman's Club. <laughs> Can you send um, <clears throat> 10 of your girls to this hotel? Make sure they're already in uniform. And you know what? Just, hey, Kevin, this is a true story? Yeah, just, just, for <laughs> shit, just for shits and giggles, we want them to be here at 9.01. Bottles and the sparkly shits on the top walking in the hotel. Okay. The, the strippers can come to you, right? He's like, yeah, hell yeah. I just need, I just need to see some, some, some ass and some titties. That's, that's, I just need that. Oh, y'all are wild. 901, 901, strippers coming through the hotel. <laughs> through, the, through the hotel, because he said be in the hotel. He didn't say we couldn't have company. So now our whole floor is a big party. <laughs> All the players is happy they got, you know. Yeah. So we go to shoot around the next day. I've never seen someone so angry. Coach Saunders? Oh, he's like, you motherfucker. And I'm like, this is our first introduction to, to each other, other, you know, training camp. But, you know, game time. And I said, listen, we're going to win this game because this is how they, they function. Yeah. Sure enough, go out there, blow, blow yeah. Dallas out. And I understood from his standpoint that this is my first game. Y'all mm-hmm. going to be on your best behavior. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, if you want them to perform, you have to let them be too. Right, and it was one of those things where you know we're trying to figure figure it out, but it was one of those things. I'm like, ah, you gotta. paid for the strippers? They did. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I'm not paying for no, I'm not paying for those strippers. A trip. If you throw twenty thousand, I'm not paying no twenty thousand for these <laughs> girls out here. Listen, I done learned my lesson at the strip club. You sitting there being convinced that they're gonna come home after they shift, and you paying them their money, and then they hit you with the text talking about. Yeah, I got to take my son to school. Like, nah, you just milked me out of 10 grand. I, you do that one time with me, you, you done messed up my, my street club experience. <laughs> so I learned, I learned early. I learned early. <laughs> Telling you sweet nothing in your ear, like, yeah, I'm going to take a haul. Strip club knowledge 101. I wish I could go back to, it. The, to, to that Lakers 80s team. Just, it seemed, you guys it just, had you know, pretty We, we, we were not fun. like that. We, like, when we got into town... Uh, Magic would get a newspaper, and about eight or nine of us would go to a movie. And we'd go to a movie. This is before the game. We'd go see a movie. He like 
thriller, I mean, uh, action, bang, bang, shoot them up movies. We go to a movie, and usually when we land in town, it's like 7, 8, so we catch a 9.30, 10. After that, we get something to eat on the way in, uh, go shoot around, have a game, and after the game, everybody would disperse and do your thing then. But before a game, never, ever before a game. Yeah, see, that's what I, that's what I was, when I yeah. heard that, that's what made me, that, that night, that, that, that night before the game mm-hmm. is, is discipline. Yeah. But, move, I mean, it was more team-oriented. Yeah. Like now, you know, <clears throat> that's what I got to, that's what I said, you got to respect, you got to respect that part of the game. Mm-hmm. Because when you're saying teams and the reason that people didn't leave because you had, you had a relationship. You had a relationship. These yeah. were friends. These yeah. was these was partners. Now you don't have that. Trying to get for you to go to the same dinner in the movie is pulling teeth. It's hard, yeah. You know, you know, and I, I, I'm not gonna say the name because he's a young guy. Um, but he was mad at LeBron James, and this is what he was mad for. And I, I was like, wait, excuse me, when I heard it, he said, yeah, man, man, I had to do me, man. You know, he wanted to have breakfast as a team, lunch as a team, wanted to have dinner as a team. I didn't want to do all, I didn't want to do all of that. I wanted to be my own man. Yeah. And I'm sitting here like, the, every time I heard about the greatest teams is that they hung out together. Yep. And when you're hanging out together, whatever happens on that court is left on the court yep. because it's a friendship. <clears throat> mm-hmm. You know, so if I say, yo, get that shit off the glass, goddammit, you're, you're playing like shit, you don't take offense to it. Yeah. You know, because you know, as a friendship, what you're saying is true. You're not saying it out of anger. Yeah. And, I, and that's what today's players don't understand. If you don't have a friendship off that court, everything that happens on that court becomes magnified. Big five. And that's why I believe you use the word constructive criticism. Mm-hmm. You have to have that in order to uh, be a successful team. Yeah. So. Like somebody like Draymond Green. See, he's been with uh, Curry and Clay. Mm-hmm. What he said to Kevin Durant, I'm pretty sure he said it to them a hundred times. Exactly. But they've been together so long that they, that's, that's they've been through dr- the wars. They're like this. That's just Draymond. Draymond, yeah. <laughs> that's how they, that's just Draymond. Well, when KD's coming in there, he don't know nothing. Of you. They don't, there's, there's no friendship here. You know, so when yeah. you say something, it's taken as offense. Yeah. You're saying, <laughs> oh, you really mean that shit? Not just, you know, spoken words. Let's just see trying to rile me up and let's mm-hmm. keep it moving. You know, and that's what I respect about the older generation, that they understood friendship equal team success. The only one we didn't mess with was Kareem. He didn't go to the movie. No, Kareem never went to the movie. I mean, we tried to get. I mean, we invite him, but no, man, I'll catch y'all later. That's what it is, man. It's a team, and everybody's their own individual, but you come together for success. But you know what? We knew he was gonna come play, so you didn't have to worry about him. Yes, it does. So you, you know, and and that's why you know, as teams, you gotta understand. Like, this is so. Did you guys? Okay, so what I've heard about Pat Riley. Miami. Was he actually that in, in LA? Did he actually control that team, or was it the team that just disciplined themselves? Well, he he started it, he initiated it, and after a while we saw that what he said would help us win, then it became internal and we got it within the team. So 
After a while, Rouse didn't have to do anything for us. Oh, okay. We did it ourselves. But he initiated that. Okay. He instigated it. Uh, I think the biggest thing that he did for us was in the playoffs, because you got to remember, back in the 70s, Wilt Chamberlain would come into the locker room at halftime, and Bill Sherman would be coaching, and Wilt would smoke a cigarette and tell him, hey, let's get this over with. Come on. And he's smoking a cigarette <laughs> in the locker room. Well, that's how basketball was perceived. So when we made the switch, that was a big thing that Pat Riley did is he changed up everything. And, and the biggest thing he did for in the playoffs, Pat would give you your playoff information, a tape, VHS for us, but beta at the time, and our playbook. And the first time we came and he would ask us a question and nobody knew. I mean, I, I read mine. I was really <laughs> into that. Uh -huh. But Kareem and some of the other guys, they, because Kareem was so, Kareem was like, I know what I got to do. Mm -hmm. I ain't got it. So what Pat started doing is he started putting a code word in your VHS to make sure. So mm -hmm. you come to practice the next day and he goes, um, okay, Coop, you got your board. Um, who are the two players you guard? Oh, before you ask, uh, what's your code word? And the code word could be at the beginning, and it could be anywhere in your little video. Usually it was like 15 minutes. So you had to watch the video. <laughs> and so now, if I can get you to watch the video, my work is done now. Mm -hmm. So after a while, it stopped being about the code word because now he didn't have that. Mm -hmm. He knew that you were watching it. So that was the biggest thing he did. Okay. So Introduced it and then let you guys. Yeah, and then let us go. And everybody started holding each other accountable. And you I know. think that's, that's the biggest key is holding, like, I remember I had the, 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 the talk with Stan uh, at the end of the at the end of the at the end of the season, right? And I said X's and O's. You're you're probably you're up there, mm -hmm. people. Coach, ah, you're you're not a player's coach. And Stan said, I know. I, I'm I'm trying to work on it. And and I'm sitting here like. You know, and you're trying to work on yeah, it. And he yeah. said this: When that game starts, I just <laughs> something about the game just turns me into another person. Mm -hmm. The competitiveness, the what's the name, and I just can't. As I said, you know, <clears throat> the team will run better if the leader got to be a leader. Mm -hmm. You're the leader. That means he's not the leader. So that means all he's doing is babysitting <laughs> us because you're hard on us. Mm -hmm. That means we're not functioning as a real unit yeah. because he doesn't snap the whip. We're gonna remember, we're going to war with him. Yeah. He's going to war with us. Mm -hmm. When he snaps the whip, we get in line. When you snap the whip, you're picking on us. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I said, you know, at some point, if you want the best out of Dwight Howard, you have to let him lead. Mm -hmm. Right now, he's just a kid. He's, he's not, he doesn't, you're, you're, you're stopping him from growing. So when people used to ask me about Dwight, I'm like, he can't, he wasn't allowed to grow. Mm -hmm. Because you got to remember, if he's back there defending this hoop, and I'm getting beat off the dribble, when he says, yo, fucking lock down, yeah. or get the fuck out of here, I have to listen. Yep. But if you're killing me and he's like, don't even worry about it, bro, don't even worry, he's not really being a leader. Leader, exactly. He just don't want to do what you're doing to us. Mm -hmm. So he's sitting there just babysitting us and our bad habits. Mm -hmm. And he's just trying to <laughs> keep the pressure off himself instead of saying, nah, hey, yo, stop, Turkaloo, stop that shit, Turk. Yeah. You know what I mean? <clears throat> Either come to play, wake up, or get the fuck off this court. 
And, and I, I think that's what, what stopped him is he didn't get to grow into what everybody else got to grow into because the coach was the leader. He never, he never let the birds fly. Well, Kareem like, wasn't necessarily a leader. I mean, we knew he was going to do his part. Mm-hmm. So that, that role fell to magic, and he was masterful at it. Okay. I mean, you know, and the one thing, like I said, constructive criticism, if he wasn't doing his job, I was going to say something to him as well as vice versa and to the everybody else. So any of our rookies and new people coming in, they knew that already. So they just fell in line. So after probably after we won our championship in 82, we go 83, 84, everybody was in line with what we were doing. That's why we were able to win in 85, get back to the finals uh, in 87, 88, and 89. So. Yeah. And I, I, I tell people that, too. I said, you know, who you, the media perceives as the leaders, is not necessarily exactly. always the leaders. Yeah. It's not always the leaders. You know, some guys are not vocal leaders. You know, some guys are. You yeah. know, I mean, <clears throat> you know, it's, it's who is respected, and the person that's respected puts in the work. Yep. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, you know, we, you know, if you say something, okay, you know, and that's why I used to tell, I used to tell guys like, yo, you're never going to hear, hear me yell you about shots. Mm -hmm. I can't, I can't be the way I am if I'm Nick picking at shots because I would never be the the score I am. So my thing is going to be, yo, you didn't shoot the ball. But I don't care where you shoot the ball, just put the shit up. You yeah. know, you know, I was one of those types. So I never I never yelled at players for, you know, shooting the ball. I'm just saying here, if you're gonna shoot it, my, my thing was this, yo, you should be you should be upset that they leaving you to come double me, working your game. Yeah. Magic was like, like he would pass me the ball sometimes. <laughs> and I wouldn't shoot it, I'd pass it on. He said, Coop, listen. I'm trying to get assists. If I ain't gonna get it to you, I'm gonna pass it. I can get it to him. I'm trying to get assists from you. So that's when I learned to start shooting the ball there, man. You entered a three-point contest too, right? Yeah, twice. Yeah, yeah. yeah so. Yeah, Gil, so, so let's, re- let's recap this whole thing for everyone to learn and, and learn from the air because that's what we set out here to do today. It starts with the personnel that you have and then there's gotta be substance to it. Every, when you have the guys that buy in, everybody's gotta buy in to be successful that is part of the process. The style will come from that. That's and the then when it, yeah, then when it's go time and it comes down to that war on the floor, you know who you have and five rings later. Well, that's the start of a championship. Obviously the coach has to determine what style to play. Mm-hmm. And once they get that down, everybody has to buy into the system. And I think uh, Pat Riley set a great stage for us. Uh, and everybody bought into the system early. You know, the fun part about Showtime, and I always tell people this, because we were a very good defensive team, too. Mm-hmm. It wasn't all about up and down offense. It was about our defense. Uh, our defense was dictated to take away the main player's opportunity to score, and then we worked around that. So if you had an inside game, Magic wasn't a great one-on-one defensive player, but he was a good double team. And he was a big double team. He had good hands. So that was the first and foremost for us. But everybody has to buy in to whatever the coach wants to happen. If you do that, you can be successful. There we go. So like Golden State. We think about the offense, but they were also great at defense. Defense, yep. For sure. Dynasties. Yeah. They only come around once in a generation. One of the greatest ever. Coop, thanks Thank for you, coming. Thank you, sir. Am I good now? Mm-hmm. You're real good now. You know that green shirt. Girl, I'm in love with you, man. Even more so. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, no Thank problem. you very no much. For Michael Cooper, five-time champion, 1987 Defensive Player of the Year. Much respect for that. For Gilbert Arenas, 
All offense. Yeah, yeah, no. All we'll, offense. We'll, we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Mike Botticello. This has been No Chill with Gilbert Arenas. Remember, you can catch us every Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern on the Fubo Sports Network, and we'll see you next time. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.